Powered by MPB, this is Chalkboard Chat, an MPB education podcast, hosted by Jermaine Flood and Tara Wren. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. Welcome to Chalkboard Chat. I'm Jermaine Flood. And I'm Tara Wren. And you are tuned in. This is our Mississippi Prison Education and Reentry Series Part 3. And in with us today, we have Dickie and Zach Scruggs. Dickie Scruggs is founder of Second Chance Mississippi. And Zach Scruggs is the executive director of Second Chance Mississippi. And Second Chance Mississippi helps remove barriers that prevent adult students from obtaining a high school equivalency and or an employable workforce certification. Now, Dickie and Zach are both former attorneys, well known to the world, to the state of Mississippi, and I am just so glad that they are here on Chalkboard Chat with us today. Welcome to the show. Hey, for me, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having us. It's such a pleasure to have you. Zach, welcome to you as well. Thank you, Jermaine, and thank you, Tara. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, yes. We are so glad to have you on and talking about this subject. So we're just going to dive right in. I'll go ahead and get us started up. What is Second Chance Mississippi? Um, and either one, Zach or, or Dickie, you can answer that question. Well, Second Chance Mississippi was founded when I came home from prison in 2014. One of the ways I survived the prison experience was teaching GED to other inmates. And it gave me a new sense of purpose in prison. And when I came home, I decided to keep that going with some encouragement from some of the, the leaders in the community college ranks who encouraged me to start a foundation and try to remove barriers for all students in Mississippi, principally those who had dropped out of high school. And we're looking for a second chance to get back into the mainstream, either with a GED, as it used to be called. Now it's called high school equivalency diploma, which is the difficult test to take to get your high school equivalency and or a work skill. So we founded Second Chance in 2014 to help remove financial barriers for students. Things like light bills, child care, transportation, medical bills, unpaid tuition that kept them from re-registering in school. And we work primarily through the community colleges who do the instruction. We provide scholarships and sponsorships for these kids. And that's basically the mission of Second Chance is to remove financial barriers for young adults who want to get back into the mainstream through education. Right, right. Tara, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I was going to ask. So at this point, how many people, I don't know if you keep count or not, have you helped with your particular program and scholarship program? Zach, you've got the exact numbers. Why don't you take that? I do. And thank you for that question, Tara. We've helped just over a thousand people in the four and a half years we've been in operation. And in our assistance has resulted in approximately 306 high school equivalencies, another 302 employable workforce certifications, and 259 smart start and career readiness credentials, which for a lot of industries is the equivalent of a high school equivalency, a CRC of a certain level. So we've had tremendous results in the four and a half years since we've gotten our 501c3 status and we've helped a lot of people and we hope to expand our bandwidth to help a lot more. We have programs with probably ongoing programs with 12 of the 15 community colleges. And to touch on that, a lot of people probably don't know, Terry, that community colleges, on top of all the other good things they do, have the legislative mandate to provide education and training for adults that are trying to get back into the workforce or get their GED. That is the most logical place for an adult, whether they're 
20 years old or 70 years old to go back if they want to get their high school equivalency or any kind of employable workforce certification is their community college. And they do a great job of this. Our community college system is probably one of the best in the country. 15 of them spread around the state, regionally separated. But that's what we do. We work with the community colleges, with the adult education directors, with the workforce training directors to provide assistance or remove barriers that are keeping an otherwise able adult with attitude and aptitude from getting these credentials. I think uh, to add to what Zach said, if I can, Tara, I'm sorry. Sure, no, I was just going to say it's just such a great partnership, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, well, thank you. The total we've helped, if you add up all those numbers, Zach gave you is over 1,100 young adults in Mississippi since we founded this thing. Mississippi gets a lot of low marks in many educational categories. One of the bright spots, though, is the community college system, which always ranks near the top in the country, surprisingly. And so Mississippi also ranks very high in the country in charitable giving. And so our mission really is to use the strong community college system in Mississippi and the charitable nature of our citizenry here to marry those up and augment that with our own money and our own donations and scholarships to help these kids these young adults. I say kids, their average age is about 27. Right. Now, Dickie, since you are founder of Second Chance Mississippi, can you explain to me that moment that you knew you wanted to create Second Chance Mississippi? Just kind of walk me through maybe those thoughts that were running through your head before you said, this is it. It really started before 2014. The, The inspiration came when I was in prison. The prison's not a pleasant place, as you can imagine. And, uh, One of the worst things about prison for me, other than being separated from my family and friends, was the loss of any sense of purpose. As a lawyer, I had always felt like I had a purpose. I was, I represented thousands of shipyard workers who had asbestosis. I represented Mississippi and about 30 other states in the tobacco litigation, which created some great public health benefits that we're seeing the benefits up now and smoking rates have gone way down nationwide, represented hundreds of families after Hurricane Katrina, forcing their insurance companies to pay what they owed. And so those were things that gave me a great sense of purpose and accomplishment as a lawyer. And when I went to prison, I lost all that. I lost all sense of purpose. And it was something, I don't know that I anticipated that before I went in. But word spread around the prison compound that I was uh, a lawyer and had an education some of the inmates started asking me for help with the GED. One of the things the federal prison system does right that I wish the state system did is if an inmate doesn't have a high school diploma, they're required to get a GED or sit in class until he passes the test. And the instructors in those classes are other inmates who already have a college education or more. And so I was ultimately, after tutoring inmates for a few months, I was asked to be a classroom instructor. And that realized after a short time that that gave me a real new sense of purpose because I'd never taught before. In fact, I had to teach math in prison, which was not my strong suit. That's why I went to law school. So I wouldn't have to <laughs> take a bunch of math courses. No <laughs> math here either. <laughs> no math. Well, we are all on that same page. <laughs> I, I don't know that I ever knew what the Pythagorean theorem was, but I had to go back and look it up. And, and so I, it was sort of a blind leading to blind process for a while until I, you know, I started dusting off the old high school and early college math stuff that I'd learned myself and forgotten. 
But I realized at the time how rewarding it was. It gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me a reason to get up and get out of bed in the morning. And it gave me a, a new lease on life, watching the light bulb come on in some of these grown men that I was teaching. And it got to be where I would encourage them and be a, a bit of a cheerleader. Because many of these guys had ruptured their family relationships. And I, you know, I convinced some of them that this was one way to get back reconnected with their families. They could do homework with their kids and grandkids if they had a GED and knew a little bit about math. And so it became an inspiration for me. And so when I got home in 2014, I listened to public radio, actually. Yes. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, fun, but that, that's a true story. <laughs> I, I, I listened to NPR and MPB. Uh, that was my lifeline to the outside world, was listening to that on FM radio. Yeah. And so one morning I heard a lady from Heinz Community College talking about the difficulty in getting students to complete the GED before the protocol for the test changed. And if they hadn't finished by the end of 2013 or 2014, rather, they'd have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And it was a big backlog. And so I, when I heard that, I texted this lady and asked her, told her who I was and, and where I'd been, and uh, offered to tutor to help with the backlog. And she, sort of surprisingly to me at the time, texted me back and said, come on down here and meet Dr. Clyde Muse, the president of Heinz. And Let's see what we can do. And uh, Dr. Muse and Colleen Hartfield, the lady that I'd heard on MPB, encouraged me to go beyond just tutoring myself, but to try to set up something more impactful in Mississippi. And so after thinking it through and touring a number of community colleges to find out exactly what was going on, we set up Second Chance. And that's a a long answer for how we got started. No, it's a perfect answer. I just love you know, how it was where you had come from, then going into prison and then getting out and knowing that this is something that you had to do to help the community and help the people who were around you while you were in is such a beautiful thing. And I just commend you for that. Tara, did you want to add anything? No, I commend you and and thank you for doing it. I have done some prison ministry myself and I know that the folks, they call it on the inside, you know, they have desires and wants to grow and be better as well. And so this is such a great way to help them when they are, they get out and, you know, get back with their families and friends and can be reinstated in the world and, you know, just live a regular life like everyone else and be educated and go out and have the careers that they might want. So thank you personally for doing well, that. Well, you're welcome. It, it helped me too. It wasn't a one-way street, believe me. So I'm curious to know, Zach, as the executive director, I know that it falls on your shoulder to raise the money, get the donations. And how do you guys go about doing that? And why are they so important? And how do you allocate them within the program? That's a great question, Terry. We we, we beg. No. Uh, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> well, we, we, we do. And, and the, the first couple of years that we were getting started, we were trying to build up our network, build up familiarity with our program and donations would start to come in from people that knew us, knew our story, knew our mission. We really started to ramp it up after maybe the second or third year of operation. We do a fall gala every year, and that is a big fundraising opportunity for us. We do it here in Oxford and, of course, in Body Body throughout the state, and that generates a lot of interest and awareness in our program. We also apply for grants from private foundations and from the government and been very successful in trying to accumulate grant dollars that are geared toward the kind of things we're trying to do. 
And one of our selling points is that 100% of the donations that we receive go to our programs. We don't have that much overhead. I don't take a salary. Dick certainly doesn't take a salary. We have an office here in Oxford. We have two tremendous ladies that work with us, Caddy Beals, who you've met, our development director, and Sarah Islamnik. And so our overhead is small, but that's not something we wanted the donations to carry. So that's provided for separately from the generosity of Dick and, and Diane Scruggs to keep the lights on, keep the trains running. So every dollar that is donated to us, and we can represent every dollar, goes to the programs that we're sponsoring, whether it's the ferry removal, wraparound support, tuition, transportation assistance, whatever barrier is keeping the students we're trying to help from getting in these programs and finishing the programs. So it's a great selling point for us. Mississippi is a very charitable state, but yet there is a lot of competition for the quote-unquote charitable dollar because there are a lot of worthy organizations out there doing a lot of great things. So it's a challenge and opportunity for us, but that's kind of how we our fundraising is set up. Now, as far as what decisions on what programs, we have relationships with the principals at just about every community college here, and we know what they're doing and what they do well. There's nothing they don't do well, but we kind of structure our programs around a result, which is getting adults a high school equivalency and or a workforce certification. So we'll designate a, a sum of money that will go to each of our programs and we spread it out. So we're not putting all our money in one or two community colleges in one or two parts of the state. And the community colleges are very good stewards of our money. And if they have other money coming in from another program that needs to be spent right away, they'll silo ours to the side that we want to make sure our money is the but for that it is the difference that's meeting a need that's not being met with these students. And we've been very pleasantly surprised what the community colleges have been doing with these programs that we've set up. So we kind of set them up strategically around certain outcomes and we hit every part of the state with it. Now I'm seeing that the goal for 2020 was $50,000. How close are we to the overall goal of $100,000? Yeah. So we're well on our way to that goal this year. And it's a good point. COVID last year, obviously said we couldn't have our fall gala. We had some generous philanthropic individual contributions and we had some grants come in. But COVID was kind of interesting. It was kind of a wash in a way, Jermaine, because we weren't able to raise as much money, but we weren't really spending as much either because Mm -hmm. most of these community colleges shut down and their adult education and workforce programs shut down. Right. So, and they're just in the fall of last year and really now just getting gearing back up where they're trying to get the students that fell off get the programs back going. So it's been a kind of upward climb with our community college partners to get students back in where our assistance can be used. So a lot of the money we've already earmarked still hasn't been used because of what happened in in 20. But we are well on our way and very confident we're going to have a good fundraising year between our fall gala and some grants that we've applied for and just getting the word out and things like this awareness that Mm -hmm. this is an issue and this is how you can help. Right. And we want to help you get that word out. Yeah, we certainly hope that you this helps and we want you to reach your goals. I want to ask you, Zach, about the program. You talked about the different parts of the program. So say that I'm a person or we have a student listening or a person listening who wants some help. How do they go about starting? What is the process and how exactly do they get in one part of your program or the next? And then I have a follow up question. Are there any follow up programs after they've done this initial GED part? Great questions. So as to the first one, how would an adult that wants to get their high school equivalency or workforce certification benefit from what we provide? First thing they need to do is go to their local community college and say, hey, 
I need my high school equivalency. I dropped out a couple of years ago. I want to go back and get it. I need to get a job. I need this. Or I do have my high school equivalency, but I need an employable skill, whether it's CDL, uh, truck driving, CNA, whatever people are hiring for in their local communities. So the community colleges do our initial screening. So we don't do the actual instruction. We're not set up for that and we don't have to be. The infrastructure is already there with the community colleges. They have the adult education staff. They have the workforce staff and they do a great job of it. So no need to reinvent the wheel. They go to their community college and say, hey, look, you know, I want to get this employable certification, but I don't have the 250 bucks or the 500 bucks or the thousand bucks that's needed for this. But if they demonstrate that they have the attitude and aptitude to get in this program and do it, then we have a program with that community college. They'll put them in it. We allow the and really defer to the community colleges to do the screening based on the criteria I mentioned, genuine need, attitude and aptitude. And if we have a second chance program with that community college, and most of them we do, then they will most likely be in it. And really, the true credit goes to these instructors at these community colleges, the adult education and the workforce instructors, because they will literally hold this person's hand. They will work with them as long as it takes to get them in. And they're really like missionaries. They're the true heroes here, along with the students. And so luckily, I mean, we're the support mechanism and they're doing most of the work. They're screening. They're, they, most of the students that fit this profile are already in their bandwidth. They've been in the college for something or they're on their radar. And we've never been disappointed on their selection of the people to be in this program and success stories that come out of it. The goal, to answer your second question, Tara, the ultimate goal is that one, that they get an employable workforce certification and a high school equivalency if they need that, if they don't have that. But the goal after that would ultimately be get employment in a chosen field or continue their education with the community college. Because once they get their high school equivalency, then they qualify for Pell Grant, federal assistance. Once they get an employable workforce certification, maybe they go to the next level and actually become a full-time student taking credit classes at that community college. So the ultimate goal would be employment and something that is satisfying and fulfilling and stable for that individual and or two to continue their education. That's great. You talked about success stories and how do you measure or do you follow any of these individuals? What, what is a good success story? That's what I was you ask share this, one with us. Has anybody had yeah. a testimony that yeah. they've told you? Uh, <laughs> great questions. Uh, yes. And, and obviously everyone that gets through this program is their own success story. What the adult education workforce personnel share with us is some of the things that we wouldn't know, some of the unique challenges or background that some of these individuals went through before getting into our program, the before and after. There are almost too many to mention. We regularly post success stories when they come to our attention on our website and our Facebook. We're very active on Facebook, telling our story and highlighting individual students when it comes to our attention. There are a couple that come to mind right away. One of the first programs we had was at Northeast Community College, and their program is up in Corinth, Mississippi, so Northeast Mississippi. And there was a young 20-year-old African-American kid named DeMarcio Stallings who was riding his bike about 15 or 20 miles from home to the classes. He was taking care of his sick grandmother. Well, his bike broke. Caddy's husband happened to have a bike he wasn't using anymore, so we drove it up to Corinth, gave him the bike. He got his high school equivalency got his workforce certification, then promptly enlisted in the army because his true dream was to be a combat medic. And he is doing great. The other example was a young white kid about 20 years old down in Western Mississippi, Colin. His name is Casey Bufkin. And Casey was pulled out of school for some reason by his grandmother in the second grade. So no formal education after that. 
but was really good with his hands, was really technical, and got in the welding program at Colin. But his car broke down. And the way the program set up, if you miss more than one class, you have to drop the program. And they would have lost this kid forever. A kid with no formal education past the second grade. So we found out how much it would take to get his car fixed, if it was worth getting it fixed, and put the money in, got his car fixed. He was able to complete his welding and got his high school equivalency. And the change in that kid from when we first met him, he's very shy, as you would expect, not as confident to how he is now. And the pep in his step he has now is amazing. And there's so many stories like that. Uh, those are two that come to mind for me because of the many, because they're so rewarding. And to see where the, both those kids were before and where they were after going through this program. And I'm sure Caddy could reel off another 20, and I could too, uh, wouldn't take up all the, the space on it. But that's really what keeps us going. That, yeah. And that's really what they're very popular. People really react to those stories. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I'd like the holistic approach Second Chance Mississippi yes. kind of provides from, you know, right here to conception. So I love it. Tara, did you have something else that you maybe? I have one more question okay, go for. Ahead. Go ahead. This is going to be for Dickie. So okay. tell us, what's the next iteration because of this program? And do you plan to uh-uh. take it beyond the borders <laughs> of Mississippi? Because this well, other I, states could use actually, this. <laughs> actually, we have not seriously considered going outside Mississippi with this program, yet there's still an awful lot to be done in Mississippi beyond the dropout recovery uh, world. We're simply helping people who dropped out of school get back in and get an education and a workforce certification. That's a big challenge, and we work through the community colleges to do that. In addition to helping students directly, our principal way of helping students, to go back to the previous question, is to give grants and donations to the community colleges. And we talk to them and we trust their adult education people to work with the students to get them through. And they do a really good job. If they get their, their claws into a student, they don't let him go. I mean, they're like truant officers. They call up the PW show for classic. You know, call him or her, and if there's a reason, then they call on us or use the money we put into their foundations to help them over those hurdles. This population is one flat tire from dropping out again, and so that's what we're trying to prevent, trying to overcome those sorts of barriers, you know, when they have the lights turned off, anything like that that these young adults face, and so we try to remove those barriers, but we don't Every time, we don't deal directly with the student. We usually, we try to work through the community college because they do such a good job of tracking and tracing these kids when they come into their programs. Now, to answer your question about what's next, we are getting started in trying to help educate inmates in Mississippi's prisons when COVID came along. We had a number of meetings with the federal prison system over in Yazoo City and also the Department of Corrections in Mississippi. Now, of course, they've gone through, over the COVID period, they've gone through a transition to new leadership in the Department of Corrections. And we have not reestablished much of a program with them just yet. But I'd like to see if we can marry up the community college teaching potential with the Department of Corrections to get some worthwhile instruction within the prisons. Unlike the federal prison, which requires all inmates that don't have a diploma to get one while they're there to get a GED, the state system doesn't have that requirement. 
and there's not a, a serious educational program in the Mississippi prison system. And that's one of the reasons that roughly 75% of men and women who are released from prison in the state system in Mississippi get rearrested within a few years. Uh, it's a revolving door because there's no worthwhile training or education that goes on within the prisons. They give it lip service, but there's no serious program going on in the Mississippi prison system. And that's one of the things that I think we're going to try to move into. If we set up second chance, having a prison background ourselves, I, I didn't think we were the right ambassadors to go there to try to work with the prison authorities. I thought maybe they'd be suspicious of us. And we had other things to do with just adults who had dropped out of school without focusing on turning inmates or reentry. But we have been essentially asked by the parole board and others to get involved. I think the next step, in addition to maintaining what we're already doing, is to move into the reentry area and try to help educate men and women before they are released so they have some chance to succeed when they get out. And if I could add to that, it's a little more challenging, as you can imagine, to get a program established with the community college and the prison system for instruction inside the walls, the bureaucratic and possible safety issues that come to play has made that challenging for us. So we're not siloing that necessarily, but we've also been in discussions, as Dick mentioned, with the Mississippi uh, Parole Board and director there about, okay, when this inmate is getting out, what can we do? What can the community college do to make sure they're getting in a program? If they weren't able to get sufficient instruction inside the prison due to the various procedural and bureaucratic hurdles, what can we do once they get out to make sure they're in a workforce program that leads to a job instead of going back to prison? And the parole board, the Mississippi Parole Board has been a very good partner of ours. And there's, of course, Mississippi Prison Industries. There's several organizations we've been networking with to try to come up with a regime that will give the returning inmates a lifeline. Right, right. Well, we've got about three minutes left. I wanted to go ahead and close out with my audience. Either one can get this one, but how can somebody who, like Tara was saying in the beginning, who wants to go through the program or who knows somebody that needs this program, how can they contact Second Chance Mississippi? So they can contact us through our website, which is secondchancemississippi.org, www.2ndchancems.org. Dot org, secondchancemississippi.org. And we do field questions through the website. And what we would do if, if it came through us is we would coordinate, we would network and, and link them up with whatever community college was in the area they were in and, and the instructors that could take them from there. The most logical thing for an adult to do that needs to get their workforce certification and or GD is to go to their local community college. And you just show them and say, hey, you know, I want this. The first thing they will do is give you what's called a TABE test, a test of adult basic education, just to see where you were so they know what they're working with. And from there, the community college will be able to surmise if this person is right for the second chance program. And we'll get notification of that and they'll put them in and we'll know that that person's in our program. And it goes from there. So I would say to any adult that's interested in going back to school is to go to their local community college and say, this is what I need, this is what I want to get. And they will take them from there. Like Dick said, they will put their claws in them, they'll handhold them, they will they will work with them. Right. They'll be their mother, the father, you name it. <laughs> and if there's assistance they need, sometimes they don't need assistance. And okay, I got the tuition here, or 
the adult education component to high school equivalency is subsidized. So other than maybe testing fees or things like that, which they may or may not have covered. Uh, but if there is assistance they need, that's where we'll come in. Right. Uh, but that's what I would, I would encourage every individual that knows someone that needs this assistance or needs it to go to their local community college. Make sure you all do that. Again, I want to thank Dickie and Zach Scruggs, father and son duo, founder and executive director of Second Chance Mississippi for joining us here on Chalkboard Chat. It has been so great to have you. Tara and I just, we appreciate you both. Absolutely. We appreciate you both. I just say well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, ladies. <laughs> thank you. It's been great talking to you and getting to know you. Yes. Look out for your Chalkboard Chat Happy. I'm going to send that through the mail. So thank you so much for joining us again here on Chalkboard Chat. I'm going to be looking out. Thank you all for having us. All right. Thank (laughs) Thank you, you. Zach. Thanks, Dickie. Welcome back to Chalkboard Chats, Mississippi Prison Education and Reentry Series Part 3. We just spoke with Dickie and Zach Scruggs, father and son duo and founders of Second Chance Mississippi. And right now, I'd like to introduce to the chat Mr. Melvin Anderson, founder and CEO of Southern Dreams Prevention Services, as well as Miss Pearl Bailey. She is the director of home visiting and training with Healthy Families Mississippi, as well as Southern Dreams Prevention Services. Now, a little bit about Southern Dreams with home offices in Port Gibson in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. It is an at-risk advocacy and community-based program that focuses on the well-being of juveniles and their families. So right now, in addition to my co-host again, Tara Wren, we have Melvin Anderson. Welcome to the chat, Mr. Anderson. Thank you. Thank you. And Miss Bailey, welcome to the chat as well. Thank you so much. We are so glad to have you both here. So we're just going to jump right into it. What is Southern Dreams? Tell me about the program. Southern Dreams is a one-stop shop for youth, as well as their families. Our thing is we try to cover everything that we can to help a youth make strides in their life educationally. Whatever we feel that we can actually help a, a youth in every aspect, some people don't understand our youth. And when I say don't understand our youth, our youth go through so many turmoils and turns. It might be the environment where they live at. It might be someone in their household, or it might be they just don't uh, communicate with their parents well. Because, you know, most of the time, if your parents tell you something, it doesn't grasp you like that. But if a stranger tells you something, they could tell you the same thing, but you get a better understanding of it. So our thing is we don't just deal with kids with behavior problems. We have honor kids that's in our program, too. Okay. Okay. That sounds amazing. So these aren't just your juvenile delinquents. These are other children who could use the structure and the help and the services as well. That is correct. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, Mr. Anderson, I did tell them that you are the CEO and founder, but let them know exactly what your role in the organization pertains to. What all do you do? Uh, Recruiting. Uh, going out finding partnerships uh, with our program, uh, the day-to-day operation, uh, making sure that everything runs smoothly. Right. Now, welcome Miss Bailey, Miss Pearl Bailey. She, again, is the Director of Home Visiting and Training with Southern Dreams Prevention Services. Miss Bailey, let me know exactly what your role in the organization pertains to. Well, I am the Director of Home Visiting Services and Training for Healthy Families Mississippi. We are a family support program implemented through the Mississippi Department of Human Services, and we provide home visiting services for families, knowledge, education, for 
for new parents, teen parents, military parents across 14 counties here in Mississippi. And we service prenatal families and families with a child three months of age or younger. And then they're in the program for three years. Is this a partnership between Southern Dreams and Healthy Families Mississippi? Is that how this works? Yes. Okay. That is correct. So this is one of your many partners. Yes. Okay. Many partners. So you couldn't do this without partners. No, you can't. I, I assume that. <laughs> can't do it, can't without, do it without partners. partners. And you probably can't do it without funding. <laughs> when I first started, I started through a grant from the Department of Justice. Okay. And that was through the JAB funding. And and. 2013, that funding dried up. So the thing about what they want you to do is they want you to be self-sufficient. So they want you to be able to get their grants started and after that be self-sufficient. So since that, I've been self-sufficient. So I funded out of my pocket and some donations. I do have Mr. The Chicken Man. That's what we call him, Mr. D. <laughs> Mr. Mr. D. Mr. D with the world's famous chicken. World's famous chicken. In Mississippi. Yeah. What is he in Lorman, Mississippi? Lorman, Mississippi. Gotta get some chicken, store. Jermaine. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yes. <he's>, really? <laughs> yes, he's one of my proud supporters. That's good. But uh, pretty much after that, it's just as of doing stuff and making partners. Because the thing about it, if if I do a partnership with somebody, if they get the money, they need the numbers, I have the numbers, so let's collaborate. Because with me, it's not really about the money. It's about seeing these kids and these families grow and to see these kids achieve goals that, you know, most people wouldn't think they will achieve. Let's go into that. Let's talk about the passion that led you to the creation of the program, Mr. Anderson. What exactly was that aha moment or that moment that you knew this is going to be what I'm doing? That aha moment, it's hard to say that aha moment because... Believe it or not, it was something that the Lord wanted me to do. And within that, he gave me everything in the world that I wanted. I worked at Screen Actors Guild doing actors' contracts. I worked in the music industry with MS Cartel Records. I worked at the casino. I had plenty of friends uh, in the entertainment business, so I've been there and I've done it. So at one time, he's like, you know what? I did everything that you want to do. Now, this is what I want you to do for me. Awesome. Right. And as well as mm -hmm. I was one of those kids. I grew up in Wisconsin, and when growing up in Wisconsin with a single parent, my mom, and, you know, with that father figure not in the household, young men, we'd be looking for that, that male figure. And I was going to different routes trying to get that male figure or somebody to actually figure out who I am. Somebody mm -hmm. talk to me. After years of going back and forth, in and out of different schools, different programs, we had one good program in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was called the Focus Point. The Focus Point was an art educational program. And the more money that my mother made, the better life we had. And the better life we had, it took me away from these outlets. And when it took me away from these outlets, that's when I started actually being aggressive because I didn't have that down part because it wasn't nothing for me to do. So now we have our kids in these areas, you know, when their parents make more money, they take them out of these atmospheres. And so now they actually, they just cry out to find something to do. That's an interesting thought that the more money a parent makes seems to be less resources or activities for the younger children to do, which opens up the opportunity for there to be 
some trouble or some issues or challenges for them to find entertainment or to keep themselves busy. I'm sure you see a lot of that. Miss Bailey, can you speak to that and some of the households that you see what uh, Mr. Anderson just said? Definitely, because Mr. Anderson and Healthy Families Mississippi have been partners for almost 10 years now. So we've partnered in enrolling families in our program, teen parents. So we often see an environment where the teenagers, the young parents, do not have enough to do in the areas, not just Port Gibson. Of course, we're in 14 counties, so there are other areas as well. And oftentimes, like you said, that would lead to trouble in various ways. Sometimes and oftentimes it will end in a teen pregnancy. Mm. So, yes. Wow. So speaking of things to do, what type of services are offered through Southern Dreams? One that I am so proud of is our educational services. Our educational services, at one time we were just geared around kids that was in junior high and high school, those that dropped out, those that had academic problems. And what we did was we actually created our mentoring program where we went into the school districts. And by going into the school districts, we were there to figure out, as I say, a problem solver within the school districts. And we created a partnership with the counselor, the social worker, as well as our mentoring program. So we had a three-step program going on in the school system. It reduced the kids from getting in trouble, pushed up the academic status, and it kind of patterned the school out. We was in Jefferson County school system for three years and did not have a fight Wow! within the school system. Wow. And this is all coming from Southern Dreams Impact. Yes, from Southern Dreams yes, Impact. Yes, because they arrival with Port Gibson. You mean wasn't the, no fight going on? <laughs> well, the thing about that was we had pulled out of Claiborne County School District and went to Jefferson County School Districts. And at that time, that's when the Department of Justice seen the numbers change. Mm. And when the numbers changed, um, we reduced youth from going through the youth court system 68%. And within that year, 2013, we were awarded the uh, Dr. Larry LaFleur Advocacy of the Year Award for having one of the best programs in the state as well as the nation. Congratulations. Yes. Thank Mm. you. Definitely, definitely. So you also have arts and crafts at the school programs? Yes. Yes, we have arts and crafts as well as we had uh, reading programs. The years that the school system defunded the after-school programs, we actually, in Jefferson and Claiborne County, created our own after-school programs. We funded ourselves, especially when we targeted on the third graders, too. Our third graders, we had a 100% completion ratio of the third graders that actually passed their third grade test through our program. Cool. All right. So, Miss Bailey, when you go in to see a family, do you carve out a, a program just for them? Um, when you see the need, how does that work within different families? Well, each family, upon enrollment, they are given what we call a parent survey. The parent survey goes through parts of the ACE study. The acronym stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And from that parent survey, the home visitor creates a service plan for that family. And the service plan is based on the family's needs as outlined in the parent survey. So no two families are alike. No two parent surveys are alike. No two service plans are alike. The service to those families is individualized. Good. Custom services are good because no two families are alike, like you said. I think that makes a a very strong statement there, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they're individualized and giving it to them one-on-one. And 
I'm sure there are good results mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. I love it. Um, now, my question is, is there a cutoff age? Is it for a certain age group? Well, we service prenatal families, and we service the child, enrolled child, until they are three years old. And then our model, Healthy Families America, requires that we then transition that family to another early childhood program. And it could be Head Start or a private child care center, or in some cases, the school system themselves. Right, right. A pre-K program. Right. Mr. Anderson, is it the same for Southern Dreams? Is there a cutoff age for these juveniles? No, no cutoff age. We we even have adults that actually that have been out of school for years that are actually coming back, getting their high school diplomas through our program. We do not do GEDs. We do high school diplomas. We have accredited schools that actually have a partner with us. One is the University of Mississippi High School. That's through Ole Miss. And the other one is Orion out of Midland, Texas. And both programs are SACS accredited. Okay. Okay. Now, when it comes down to maybe juveniles who have been incarcerated, you take those in as well? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Good stuff. Our thing is as we take that that juvenile that was incarcerated, set plans up for him because a lot of times they don't know how to set goals and that's the biggest problem with our young males they do not know how to set goals and achieve those goals so we go in and set goals and then let them and show them how to achieve those goals and it could be educational academic or just show them that you have a leadership because if if you can lead a person into doing something wrong just think about if you show them how to do something right so we actually take it and reverse it on them and, and teach them how to become productive leaders. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I want to go back and ask you about something because folks don't hear about what you just said a minute ago. If a person dropped out of school, the way that they get their credentials is to go and get a GED. Right. But not can go back at a, a higher age and get a high school diploma. Can you talk a little bit more about how that part works? Because folks don't hear a lot about Getting a high school diploma at 20, 2021. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly how, how our program is set up is we can actually, we'll take you exactly wherever you cut off at, that's where you pick up at. Okay. You know, if you stopped in the ninth grade, ninth or 10th grade, that's exactly where you pick up at to achieve those credits. And most people back in the early 70s, they had night school. So what we do, ours is online school. Ours has been online for about over 10 years. We were one of the first programs in the state to have an online program. And so the state of Mississippi recognizes those credits as well and allows the students to get a diploma. Yes. But, you know, at first it was kind of hard because a lot of them didn't understand about SACS accreditation. And it took me a while to learn about the SACS accreditation because when I first started it in 2010, it was actually a person that was in the state of Mississippi in the educational system as well as out of Washington, D.C. for the educational system there. And they prepared me, guided me in a way that I could understand it and made sure that I had the resources that I needed. And that's when the state test hit. Once the state test hit, I had over 200 kids from the state of Mississippi to enter our program to receive high school diplomas. That's pretty cool. That is good stuff. Mm -hmm. That is good stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to know a little bit about how can somebody sign up as a volunteer to help you all with what you do at Southern Dreams? 
when we actually you could go to our website and sign up there right now with COVID, we're trying to do online trainings to make sure that they know exactly what they're doing we have helpers like kids that actually came through our program that graduated through our program we have a super success rate of youth that came through our program some are doctors some are lawyers I mean, the list go on. NFL football players that mm-hmm. came through our mentoring program. I mean, and so they're giving back to the community now. I have a young man now in Jefferson County. He had an event today as a giving back uh, to the community. Wow. Wow. That's my next follow-up question. And for both you and Miss Bailey, tell me a story maybe about one of the students that has come through the program that has touched you and kind of reinforced the reason why you all do what you do with Southern Dreams. So a two-part, Miss Bailey, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in fact, the success story actually comes from Claiborne County. And this mom entered our program and she was pregnant. She hadn't finished high school. She completed high school through Southern Dreams, and she went on to college. She went on to get her master's. She actually came to work for us. She worked for us until she received her master's, and she moved on. And, you know, she went on to bigger and better things. And, you know, she always reaches back. She says, you know, mm-hmm. without Healthy Families Mississippi, I wouldn't have gotten here. I would have fallen through the cracks. So she's always very appreciative. Right. Right. Mr. Anderson, how about you with Southern Dreams? That's one of the stories that she told in another story that that actually touched me. When I was in Jefferson County, I was a mentor with my mentoring program. And there was a young lady that she had two kids already and she was getting ready to drop out of school. So what I did was I walked her to class every day, motivating her. And so once my program uh, left out of the school district, she dropped out. And three years later, she found my number and she called me back. And she's like, uh, do you know who this is? like, no. And she told me her name. I was like, yes. I was like, so you got your high school diploma? She's like, no, Mr. Anderson. When you left, I left. And I was like, what? I was like, we got to work on getting your high school diploma. Now, think no one in her family had graduated. From high school. Re- right. And received a high school diploma. So I said, where are you living? And she's like, I live in Natchez. It's like, okay. It's like, I got you. So she came in, filled out the information, and at that time she was working. So it's like, we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. She's like, I got you now. So we actually worked through it. And then it was times where as of, she's like, I can't take it. It's too much on me. So I was like, you know what? Here go, we're going to do. I said, two days a week, I want you to come to my office. So she would drive from Natchez to Port Gibson twice a week to finish her work. And she finally, finally finished and received her high school diploma. Good stuff. Good for her. Good and if, stuff. Actually, and if you wish to look on my Facebook page, that's her that's on the on front that. of my Facebook page. Okay. And and that's the meaning. And it, it, it just brings more pride to my heart and to see someone you know, remembered what I did for her and to come back through the program and to receive her, her high school diploma. That's got to be a good feeling. Yes. Yeah. I Rewarding. think it's a great Especially feeling. Especially starting out when you were talking about your passion or what made you get into this, like it was a calling, like you felt like it was something God was telling you to do. And yeah. then it comes full circle mm-hmm. that, hey, yes, this your work is rewarded. 
Yes. So yeah. congratulations. You both Thank are you. doing great work. You know, families, Thank we you. see them all the time. Young families and, you know, they, they struggle. Young parents don't know a lot, you know, and, you know, the resources they're appreciative for, especially they don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, see people who are supporting them. That gives them that next little bit of strength to go to the next level and to keep pushing. So mm-hmm. congratulations mm-hmm. on those. Those are wonderful stories. Now, I just want our audience to know, in addition to visiting Southern Dreams on Facebook, you can also find them on their website. That's southerndreams14.wix site. That's W-I-X site. Dot com. And I wanted to go ahead and get the, all the contact information out there when it deals with Healthy Families Mississippi and Southern Dreams. So, Miss Bailey, if somebody wanted to contact you concerning Healthy Families Mississippi, how can they go about doing that? They can do it one of two ways. My phone number is 769-572-1679. And the website is www dot m d h s like Mississippi Department of Human Services uh-huh. dot m s dot g o v. Okay, and Mr. Anderson, how can someone one contact you, and then two, if they wanted to give donations to this program, how can they go about doing those? Two? Uh, actually, they could give donations to the program through our website, and our website is Southern Dreams fourteen dot wix dot com forward slash W-E-W-B-S-I-T-E. Okay. Or they could just give me a call at area code 601-618-3728. Right. Now, when it comes down to dreams, because this is Southern Dreams, tell me what's on the horizon for Southern Dreams. What is Melvin Anderson's dream for Southern Dreams for the future? Wow. It's, it's hard to say because we done... We we done hit our goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just to keep going to see how far we can really go with with this Southern Dream thing. You know, one thing I haven't seen I haven't seen nobody just with the Southern Dream shirt on. <laughs> you know, that's what I want to see. I want to see these folks with the Southern Dream shirts on because, like I said, we most people say we are a hidden program, and the reason why we're hidden because enough people are not talking about us like they should, and. I mean, our thing is, we're going to do what we're going to do regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, you have other programs that are starting and other programs that, that, haven't, that haven't existed. You know, they end up failing. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, it's just your perception as how you do things and your will, your goal, and your mindset as a pushing yourself and to see something flourish. And it's just like a rose. You know, when you first start with Southern Dream, I mean, it was like putting a, a seed in the ground, yeah. watering it. And watch it grow as a helping these young ladies. And, you know, when they come up with a, a excuse when I can't go to school because I have this obstacle. We got that covered. <laughs> give, give, give us something harder. Right. <laughs> you know, our thing is don't come with us no excuses that what you can't do. We're going to show you what you can do mm-hmm. and we're going to make it happen. So our, one of our mottos is my dream is your dream at Southern Dream, because if you could dream it. We're going to make it happen. That's okay. Good stuff. That's great. Now, Melvin, one last request. Can you just let my audience know again all of the locations that Southern Dreams is available in? In southwest Mississippi, we're at 507 Market Street, Port Gibson, Mississippi, and we cover southwest Mississippi. And my other office is 301 East South Street, Kosciuszko, Mississippi. We have been at that site for a year. 
and as well as one of our other proud partners is Alcorn State University Extension Office. They actually do a lot for Southern Dream. And actually, like I said, that's actually help us push other people within the agriculture field as a healthy eating and all that. So we have so many partners that's tied up with us. It's funny, and the thing about it is when we mention our name at Southern Dreams, a partner, most new companies coming in, all right, we want to sign on with you. Mm-hmm. This is what we have, what we can offer. And our thing is we're not trying to duplicate nothing. We're just trying to keep it in existence. And the reason why I said is because a lot of people don't realize, and this is something that I do need to say, you have a lot of small programs just already in operation. You have new programs that's coming that's getting the big grants. And the small groups have been there for years. The best thing to do is partnership with those small groups because once that grant ends, the program usually ends. But if you are already with that home-based program, you can help keep the existing thing going. You make a great point. Because the um, the bigger you know bigger people bigger names bigger organizations who get the grant like you say it the grant ends and if you haven't made a plan for sustainability then you're in trouble but that program who's been there in the community thriving and just really in with their elbows and knees in there doing it you know they're probably gonna stick around and so partnerships definitely make it stronger you know stronger yes. together. You are right. Well, I want to let you all know we are so thankful that you joined us here on Chalkboard Chat. Again, audience, Melvin Anderson, founder and CEO of Southern Dreams Prevention Services. Thank you for joining us. And Ms. Pearl Bailey, Director of Home Visiting and Training with Healthy Families Mississippi. Thank you as well for joining us. If you need any more information about Southern Dreams, once again, their website is southerndreams14.wixsite.com. Open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. Make sure you give them a call if you have any questions, want to know more information. They are available at 601-437-8905. That's 601-437-8905 as well as 662-516-8007. Make sure you connect with them again on their social media. They are out there on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And once again, Southern Dreams, an at-risk advocacy and community-based program that focuses on the well-being of juveniles and their families. Thank you both again for joining us here on Chalkboard Chat. I'm Jermaine Flood. And I'm Tara Wren. Class is now dismissed. You've been listening to Chalkboard Chat an MPB education podcast. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. This podcast is hosted with love by ACAST.